Welcome to the Appen Podcast, episode 95, a podcast by professionals. Hi, I'm Al. I'm John. I'm Stuart. And I'm Jerry. In this episode, we go over our previous year predictions for 2021 and I'll make our new predictions for 2022. So without further ado, let's go on with the show. And we're back for our prediction episode. So, uh, we're going to go through them first. He wants to go first. But I think before we do, we should we should um, introduce the rules okay. from, from last time. So, last time we did one of these prediction shows, we stole some prediction rules from uh, a couple of other podcasts that also do prediction shows. Venerable uh, so we, older podcasts. Venerable older respected <laughs> podcasts that we we adore collectively so each prediction must be measurable and quantifiable each prediction if correct will score one integer point we are not doing halves or decimals <laughs> or floating point quantum you know is it is it on or off it's, it's one integer point um, where, where does the array start there one or zero <laughs> Well, given what we've discussed pre-show, I think zero. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, there will be three main predictions per host. Each host may include one or more bonus predictions, but they will only score a point if there is a tie on the main predictions. And each host will list all their predictions in their entirety, including any predictions before the next host is asked to provide their predictions. So as mentioned previously... We're going to go through our predictions in the same order that we released them last year. And then after that, we'll go around and we'll do it all again, if that's all right with everyone. Works for me. Yeah, sounds good. Stu, you're up first. Yeah, let's see where we go with this one. So I predicted that in AWS, when you picked a EC2, which is their version of virtual machines, and potentially on Fargate or ECS but mainly on their EC2 platform. If you tried to spin up a new instance, you would by default be pushed to ARM64, so that would be their Graviton 2 chipsets, and as of a couple of weeks ago, the Graviton 3 chipsets. And it turns out the answer to that is, no, that didn't happen. It is still x86-64 by default. So if you go in and try to launch an instance, you still have the option to choose um, ARM64, but it's no different than it was this time last year, which I find slightly surprising given how much of everything at AWS seems to be moving to the ARM platforms on the Graviton side. But at the same time, I suppose, you know, it's still one of their... You know, more classic services, at which point, you know, a uh, big change like that is probably going to be, might take a bit more time than I was um, expecting, put it that way. I think it might only be a matter of time, given how uh, many people are going to be replacing their Macs from Intel chips to M1 chips. Yeah, which is exactly what I was expecting last year, which is, um, I, f I think, you know, I was slightly caught up in the hype myself on around, you know, the M1s had just come out and were blowing everyone's, um, blowing everyone away with the performance numbers. And um, Graviton 2 was getting a lot of hype, especially um, from places like Honeycomb and similar. And it still is. It still looks to be absolutely amazing in terms of, you know, price performance ratios. But yeah, in terms of being the default, not yet. So, yeah, zero points there so far. Null point. Yes. <laughs> yes. Eurovision old. I will definitely be um, what, what England currently gets in the Eurovision Song Contest. But, um, 
So the second one was Oracle or IBM would become the fourth cloud in terms of where we talk about the major cloud providers. So right now we talk about AWS, we talk about Azure, and we tend to talk about GCP. Um, I suggested that we would start to see IBM and Oracle one of them at least start to be talked about more in the conversations. And I was quantifying that as the market share would be within around 1% of GCP. Looking at the numbers and everywhere I could find, not even close. So we're talking, you know, GCP or something like about 8 9% of the market. I think it might have been a bit more actually. Oracle and IBM were still down in the 2 3%. So yeah, not even close. So what is what is the fourth cloud provider? So it is, is it Alibaba. It is, yeah. And I think, yeah, again, we was mentioning that episode about how actually outside of um, the US and um, certain Western states like, you know, UK, potentially parts of Europe, Australia and that kind of thing. Alibaba was actually very, very popular and potentially dwarfed some of the other um, cloud providers in terms of what they had deployed out there. But yeah, when you added everything up, they weren't as big. And yeah, they are still classed as, from everything I could see, the fourth biggest cloud. But yeah, they are definitely more focused on certain regions of the world, which um, yeah, which is why a lot of the time it's not talked about as much. There's quite a parallel here with the electric car adoption. I was thinking that when you were talking about the ARM you're expecting ARM to be bigger. I was expecting uh, electric cars to be bigger this year, and they're still not. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, with um, Alibaba, you know, it's obviously big in China, and so are electric cars, because uh, it's in China's interest to have a lot of electric cars and also to have their own cloud. So yeah. um, I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't want to get geopolitical here, but <laughs> it's, I think it's just, a, a you know, being realistic. Yeah. Now, and yeah, as I say, I mean, I've seen a few stories this year of certain applications or certain, um, and I, I think Zoom was mentioned at one point as being part, uh, you know, having a lot on Oracle, but then there was some article refuting that. But yeah, in terms of, you know, just in terms of pure market share, I've seen nothing to suggest that either IBM or Oracle are even close to GCP, never mind any of the others. So again, fourth cloud is technically Alibaba, but it isn't often mentioned in the conversations due to what we mentioned last year in terms of Gartner um, being a big player in that one and not really considering many companies that aren't stationed out of America or at least, you know, Western um, states. So, yeah, again, zero, nil point again. <laughs> and my third one was Microsoft acquires or works heavily with Chocolatey as part of or as a replacement for Winget. So my thinking behind that was Winget, which is going to be, well, is their package manager, um, which is, you know, supposed to be similar to things like AppGet and um, DNF and um, Yum and things like that, is going to be the way for Windows to install software um, in future from a command line perspective and, you know, be able to manage it, you know, in a more config driven way in a more CLI way, but also, you know, be able to do, um, you know, more item potent ways of managing what packages are installed. I thought we would get to a point where chocolatey would be used heavily in, instead of that, or at least, you know, adopted because chocolatey's done 90% of the work you'd need to do on that one. Um, but again, no, nothing. I suggested maybe chocolatey might become bundled as part of one of the, um, server distributions or, you know, at least part of Windows somewhere. Again, no. So 
again, my prediction has come to zero again. So, no point. <laughs> what happened with Wingate, though? It's gotten better from what I've um, seen reported. And one of the big issues initially was you could install, but you couldn't uninstall. I can't remember whether that's actually been fixed or not. Um, I'm sure I saw somewhere that said it's improved to a point that it's actually going to be used. But yeah, um, I've not followed that side heavily, but I know people have said it's gotten a lot better. Al, have you had any experience with uh, Winget or NuGet or? No, just I just use a chocolatey. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's probably what's going to win then because. You know that's what people on the ground are using. Yeah, which was my which was my thoughts. I thought you know that they're going all this way to create their own, but actually there's one out there that practically everyone that is going to manage Windows in that sort of fashion would use anyway. And it, I mean, I mean, it has an Ansible module, so <laughs> exactly, yeah. We use it quite heavily with Ansible, so yeah, it's good. But yeah, um, unfortunately, again, my prediction didn't come true. I mean, I suppose potentially uh, better for chocolatey, so they're in, still independent and still able to work for, work away from um, you know um, someone taking over. But regardless of that, uh, yeah, nil point again. So my main predictions, none of them came to fruition, and I'll just quickly go for the bonus ones. I put down that we might um, see um, Google Cloud Platform announce shutdown based upon things like well. Google's um, history of just shuttering everything after a while. Nope, not not seen any evidence. There's been talk that if they don't see a certain amount of profit after a certain amount of time, they may look to um, move away from it. But I think those were just rumors anyway. Um, and to be honest, the rumor of Google shutting something down is just a da- daily occurrence anyway, especially <laughs> if you look on Twitter. So, <laughs> so yeah, not nothing on that. The next one was Apple's M1 being used as a hypervisor in a major cloud provider, not just as bare metal. AWS recently announced that the M1s would now be available as bare metal, but not as a hypervisor, and I've not seen anywhere at all using it as a hypervisor. I think, to be honest, it's not quite there as a hypervisor that you can manage you know, in a more cloud-native way. You can manage it, you know, if you're there pointing and clicking, but I haven't seen any evidence that you can manage it any other way at the moment. So, yeah, again, even even if we got down to bonus points, still nothing so far. I think that will come down to whether Apple, you know, how open Apple is with the M1 architecture. And I know there's the, the, the effort with Linux, uh, you know, the yeah. Linux port to, to M1, but I don't know how relevant that would be to... Yeah, server stuff right? yeah. as opposed to desktop. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking, you know, you might be able to start, you know, rather than having to ded- have a dedicated entire Mac to run, um, you know, CI jobs or, you know, signing applications or something, you'd be able to run a virtual machine that's still, you know, hardware accelerated because you're doing it with, you know, something like KVM or I think it's, you know, as I think it's called XHive or something like that that runs on Macs. It's basically FreeBSD's Beehive, um, their virtualization stuff, but you know, Mac side. And yeah, but there's nothing like that at the moment for that side. So yeah, nothing yet. And my last one, and there you may sense the theme when I get to the end of this one again. A major cloud, similar to my previous prediction of the M1 and a major cloud provider. So AWS, Azure, GCP, IBM, or Oracle. Suppose Alibaba with the can um, what we talked about earlier as well. Major cloud or hosting provider um, as well. So DigitalOcean, Linode, or Vulture um, offers Risk Five or Open Power as an option. And I looked today, and there is no evidence of any of that. So 
basically I have predicted nothing right at all, even in bonuses. So yeah. <laughs> no very, matter what happens, I've lost. <laughs> they're very aspirational uh predictions though. Yeah. I, I I was really expecting the arm by default one on AWS. Uh the rest of them I was wondering, but yeah, the arm by default one I I, I, I going back to where I was thinking at the time. I'm surprised. I would have been surprised and not seen it. Now looking back, I'm surprised. I thought that was the way it was going to go. But hey, there you go. Give it a few years, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> it's fair to say that I think if we hadn't have had the 2020 that we had and the sort of general issues we've had with supply chain, yeah, I think there was a slightly a higher chance it might have happened. Yeah, but I, I still think I still think the fact that we didn't. We didn't really even see. People are still kind of talking about whether or not they can even get a hold of Max running the M1 chip. It's. It means that you're still. You're still really struggling to get a hold of the the hardware in the first place. So. Yeah. 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 It's, it. It was what I was thinking when I came back to this one. I just thought, yeah, thinking about where supply chain has been, I can't see any of this have, having happened. Whereas, yeah. There was a part of me thinking I might just extend this uh, prediction by another year and see what happens, but yeah, I'll um, yeah, we'll we'll leave that one for later anyway. So um, next up is my predictions. So my first one was that there would be a significant data breach at Facebook, Apple, Google, Microsoft, or Salesforce, which would be quantified by there being an article on the BBC News website mentioning it due to the scale of the breach. Now, this is where the haggling starts. <laughs> <clears throat> Remember, integers so, only. Integers only. So this is this, well, boolean. I think we'll say this one is um, <laughs> either you accept you accept these as being valid or not. So okay. I have got two, one of which is not on the BBC website, and the other of which you may claim is not considered a data breach. <laughs> so I like where this is going. So the first, the first one is that there was a, an Instagram data leak which exposed scraped data on 214 million social media accounts, uh, and it was called the Social Arc Data Breach. Now, I found that on cybersecuritymagazine.com. It was not on the BBC website, or if it was, it wasn't listed as Social Arc. Hmm. So I don't think that one counts, unfortunately, although... It could have kind of got close to it. But the other one which was on the BBC website was that there was a vulnerability in the Apple product, the iPhone, which the NSO group exploited and was on the BBC website. I've got an article also on the the New York Times and Apple, in fact, um, just last month uh, released a blog post saying they were going to be suing the NSO group because of the fact it had breached their platform. So do we think that is a significant data breach that re- resulted in the BBC News website mentioning it? I suppose that's the problem is there's no, was it true? I mean, yeah, obviously my guess is if it's been mentioned, then it probably has been used, but it's hard to say how and how to say how big. So I don't know on that one. Well, let's put it this way. The information I've heard from podcasts like Risky Business is that the situation with the NSO group has got so bad. So initially, when Israel, because the NSO group is an Israeli product, 
when Israel would go into diplomatic meetings with other countries, they would say, if we establish better ties with Israel, then uh, then you could have access to products from the NSO group. It's probably a salient moment to point out the Unit 8200, which is the Israeli Signals Intelligence <laughs> Service, basically, which which is comprised mo- mainly of like under 20-year-olds, uh, mm. which is a, a, quite an interesting player on the global information security stage. <laughs> what about the Twitch breach, the massive data they had on that? And that's on the BBC website. It wasn't part of the prediction, but... No, <laughs> so was... I said Facebook, Apple, Google, okay. Microsoft and Facebook. Um, so Twitch is a, an Amazon product, unfortunately, or fortunately. Mm. Um, so are we going to say that this class is as a, as a data breach or is it just an exploit? Mm. It did appear on the BBC News website. So is that a yes? <laughs> well, I, I, this isn't a, an autocracy, so. <laughs> hmm. What do you do we take on? a vote? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's a boolean. It's either yes or no, but it is between the three of you. So, so it I sounds vote, like Jerry's saying I vote yes. yes. Yeah, it seems to be logically speaking. How? Yes, I think. Oh, so two out of three at least. That means I win. I, I'm thinking yes. It, it, just just because we haven't seen the scale of the impact doesn't mean there mm. hasn't been a massive impact. So yes, yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd exactly. say. I'd okay. say. So yes, someone's got a point. I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean some, something to take away of this from this is that maybe not a breaches, but we have seen significant outages reported in uh, on the BBC News website. So, for instance, uh, the big thing was the Facebook outage that took out WhatsApp, Facebook itself, and Instagram yeah. uh, not not that many months ago. Uh, yeah. There was uh, obviously numerous AWS outages, and it was Fastly, which uh, kind of Fastly was seen to be something that only affected. Well, it affected. It's on the BBC News website, but it mainly affected stuff that I was doing uh, as as a you know DevOpsy sysadmin type. Mm. Uh, that that was quite noticeable for me. Let's let's not go into it too far because it might turn up in someone or someone's predictions later on. <laughs> um, okay, so my next prediction: Microsoft releases a server OS based upon Linux that can be run anywhere. Uh, and it's quantified by the fact that it was generally available and can be installed on non-specialized equipment, i.e. non-IoT and or non-network specific appliances like Sonic. Now, I was going to claim a win here uh, because I found the uh, there was a Microsoft CBL Mariner, I think yeah. it's called. And I thought, oh, fantastic. Released this year. Brilliant. And then worked my way back through the release chain. And the first one was released in November of 2020. <laughs> Yep. So I fail on that score. Otherwise, I'd have won on that. I'd have got two points. Yeah. Then we'd have been really going well. Yeah, that 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 was weird for me as well because I was going through the predictions. And just went, oh yeah, you've definitely got that one right because I've seen lots of people. I've even seen people mentioning this is how you build it and use it. I just thought, all oh, right, you've got that one. And then yeah, turns out not quite. Well, I've I've, I've seen there's an ISO available from their website yes. as well. So. Yeah. So that's annoying. Um, the third one that I had was HashiCorp will be purchased or the intent to purchase 
or, or that will have announced the intent to be purchased by either Amazon Web Services or Azure. And the quantification on that one was that uh, Terraform replaces or is soon to replace AWS CloudFormation or Azure ARM templates. Has not happened, full stop, underlined. That's yeah. a definite... Uh-uh. Yeah, HashiCorp IPO'd rather than getting acquired. So technically, if one of them wanted to buy a lot of shares, they could, but yeah, it hasn't happened. Yeah. <laughs> So my two bonus ones were that Matrix replaces Discord as de facto gaming chat. Unfortunately, there is no way of quantifying this one. So we removed the prediction on that one. There was also a bit of a rant on Matrix versus Discord from uh, Chris Chris Fisher. Uh, on Was it self-hosted, yeah, I think? Just recently, yeah. Uh, I think he, what he said was that if, he, if he'd made the choices if he was making the choices again about self-hosting or consuming someone's hosted matrix service, he would absolutely be buying a matrix service from someone else. Um, and he wouldn't be, he probably wouldn't be using it. He probably would have gone with discord instead, uh, which is a bit of a shame because I do really like the idea of matrix, but um, I absolutely see where he's coming from. I think that's, uh, that says quite a lot about the server, server implementation of, of uh, matrix, doesn't it? Um, and you know, be actually being able to run Matrix easily, I suppose. I have to admit, I've used Discord more and more this year because there's a lot of communities joining it, and you know, even though it's supposed to be a gaming first product, actually, just as a general chat product, it's actually, you know, I hate to say it, really good. So they, they've definitely done a good job with it. So I can see why, um, yeah, a lot of people use it. Mm. So I mean, I've I've still got a lot of love for Matrix, but I I really struggle with Discord. And I, I, there's, I'm a member of five communities, I think, on Discord, and I pretty much never check in on them, or I'll check in on them once every kind of month or so and be like, oh, scroll back, scroll back, scroll back, scroll back, scroll back, scroll back. It's too much. Mark has read. <laughs> I'm a bit like that on Slack as well. So, you know. Too much information. Kids these days, so they, you know, they'll just sit there and read it all. <laughs> well, to be fair, when I used to be on IRC, I would be on, you know, hundreds of IRC channels, and I would read them all. Um, you know, I used to, I used to make a, it used to be a point of honour with me that I would, you know, read all of the people that were talking to me on Twitter. You know, and I would know where I'd got to, and I'd catch up with it. In fact, the, <laughs> my first kind of significant PHP program that I wrote for myself was writing the SMS gateway for Identica so that I could use Identica in the same way. So I could keep up to date with what was going on with Identica. (laughs) Um, That's, that's aging me for those that don't know what Identica is. It's kind of like the open source version of, of Twitter that you could host yourself, but wasn't, I mean, it was great, but much like matrix, the hosting a server was complicated and it got quite hacky towards the end anyway so yes so that was my first my first bonus one my second bonus point was um ipv6 adoption would increase by at least five percent in 2021 which would be quantified by using the google ipv6 graph now when i looked at that this uh, this evening it showed that between december 2021 uh, 2020 and Uh, December 2021 it has gone from 33% to 35% so it's gone up 3% not 5% otherwise I'd have had a bonus point there close but no cigar (laughs) well nobody should be smoking cigars anyway (laughs) 
Al, round to you. Okay then. So I said my first one was that HPE or Dell would release an ARM-based server which will run ESXi, and it wouldn't be and it would be running their kind of their ARM version, but it won't be in beta. I could I could I did some googling, and no one seems to have done that. So all I could find about like from about five or six years ago, well, I'm guessing that ARM did something. So yeah, obviously I can't. That, that's zero for me on that one. Um, then I've got Google. Microsoft, Apple, or Facebook has a major off outage, and it has to last longer than six hours. So we had the, um, as Jerry was saying, the WhatsApp and the um, Instagram and Facebook outage. I think that qualifies for that, don't you think? It's kind of an outage on everything, including off. <laughs> yeah. So it's, 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 are we specific to just off, or is it you know, includes off? Was your prediction too specific? Yeah. <laughs> Is what you're trying to say is that did did Al actually provoke this, uh, this <laughs> <Yeah>. outage? <laughs> did they actually say what was in? Did anyone ever ever read like the RTA on it or whatever or the RTC on it or not? The Facebook one, yes, it was a um, BGP update that went very very wrong and basically black holed most of their network. So uh, yeah, it meant that I'm pretty sure they had to get in and literally switch stuff off to get it working. That's not auth, though. It did affect auth. Yes, they, they literally couldn't get into the data center because it was authenticated against servers which were no longer reachable. <laughs> so I suppose, you know, as far as authentication goes, that's a pretty big <laughs> one. So There's quite yeah. an interesting animation where it just showed uh, Facebook, all of Facebook dropping off the internet. Yes, I remember seeing that. It's like a 3D network map. Mm. That was good. And then I've got one of the hosts will get an you'll get FTP FTTP or FTTH to their home. Uh, in in the interest of uh, you know quantifying these terms, fibre to the premises or fibre to the home. Yeah. And I don't think any of us have from what no, we were so talking about before. I was yeah. hoping to move. Well, I have moved this year, and when I moved, he didn't have it. So, but my house, I get an email the other day saying that my old house has now, you can now get it. (laughs) (laughs) Quick, move back. Uh, Yeah, no. (laughs) Yes. I I got something free from Virgin the other day saying I could upgrade to one gig, but then I saw the price and I just thought, you know what, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I did see that, but I said 100% of the network can now be. They've actually, they were digging up our street last year and they put a cabinet right up. Right, you know, on the street, you know, outside the wall of our house, of our gar- front garden. Um, but, you know, it's an extra 25 quid a month. And, and to be honest, I, uh, I phoned up the, uh, my ISP. They gave me an extra 25 megs a second and they decreased my bill on the same network, on the same hardware. So I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I apparently improved the hard the Wi-Fi in my house, so uh, you know the last it's it's not the last mile; it's the last you know ten feet or so. That's the <laughs> issue in a, in a lot of cases. Yes, it's, it's only as, as good as the equipment it's running for at the end. Yeah. Mm. So I, I so it, to to paraphrase, I'm quite happy with my non FTTP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and my bonuses were that with record our 100th admin podcast which that's failed because we're only 95 yeah (laughs) Conoco is acquired and the year of the next desktop which obviously 
we've got no way of clarifying. So yeah, it's always, <laughs> I mean, for me, it's always the year of the Linux desktop because that's my personal don't, laptop. Don't, don't <laughs> give it to him. Don't give it to him. Otherwise, he wins, <laughs> and that's not acceptable. You, you might you might say I'm being very optimistic with these. <laughs> Good. So I got one. Yay, Jay, do you want to go with yours? Okay, so my my predictions for 2020 were a common API for cloud providers comes into existence. Uh, so to quantify that, uh, you can create an EC2, Azure VM, or GCP instance using the same API call. Well, yeah, that failed. Sorry. Yeah. The closest I've seen to that, and this might actually come up later in one of my predictions, is something called crossplane, um, which is where you provision resources in the cloud that you're on using uh, Kubernetes. Um, but as far as I know, and I've not looked heavily into it yet, um, you've still got to define the types of resources that you wanted. So it's a bit like rather than using um, Terraform and HCL and stuff like that, you're just using a YAML um, definition within uh, a Kubernetes style. So I don't think that's much different. But yeah, potentially the same place to talk to to then go and spin off the resources. But yeah, not a huge amount different from if you use using Terraform to do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, to flip that around the other way and uh, actually using ECS in the latter half of this year brought that home to me is that um, if you can just get Kubernetes running on all the major clouds, then you're basically talking to the same, to the same thing on all three clouds. Yeah. That, I suppose the only differences you've got is, to, um, you know, things like, you know, IAM compared to Azure's uh, managed identities and things like that to manage and how it deals with load balancing. But I suppose, that, you know, once you start getting out to the application stack, yeah, it's fine. But yeah. I mean, in, uh, personally, I, I much prefer uh, Azure's uh, managed identities to IAM, mm. but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My, my second pr- prediction, Apple hires a significant portion of notable ops slash SRE slash DevOps people. And the quantification for that was, uh, well, someone like Charity Majors, Kelsey Hightower, uh, someone else or someone else now works for Apple. Now, I must admit, I, I, I don't know who the, the, the notable Ops SRE DevOps people are for 2021. I don't think that the, that one actually passes. Yeah, I, I saw a couple of people move to Apple, but it wasn't the ones that, you know, has the you know, potentially three-figure, um, well, sorry, six-figure followers kind of thing, or, you know, the ones you see, no matter how where you go, you see them retweet kind of things. So mm. I don't remember seeing anyone move to Apple like that. And then, uh, so my last one, my last uh, main one was Linode provides cloud init support and or, and or sensible OS image support. Uh, last time I looked, they didn't. You you basically you can have three OS images and you can have six gigabytes for your uh, custom image storage, um, and that's it. Still, I think you know, given the Kubernetes side of things, I think that might be less important than I thought it was a year ago. I I this year I think well I'll, maybe I'll leave this for one of my predictions. <laughs> I'll mm. just keep quiet. Uh, Okay, I'm, I'm going to quickly write down one of my 2022 predictions. <laughs> <laughs> the, one, the one thing I will say about the Linode thing is I've, I've been listening to the Changelog um, set of podcasts a lot this year, and they are very heavily using Linode, and they are pretty much doing everything through Kubernetes. So it, I think Linode's strength 
um, now is less on the VM side and more on the you know Kubernetes plus supporting services side. By the looks of it, I mean, yeah, not not to say they can't do VMs or anything like that, but yes, it, lo- it looks like the Kubernetes side is uh, getting doing pretty well for them. Uh, okay, so my, my bonus, and I, I, this was a quite a long shot. Microsoft forks CentOS and becomes the de facto open source rel alternative. I kind of wish it it had happened. <laughs> Again, it goes back to the CBL Mariner thing that John was mentioning. Um, that is RPM based, but yeah, it's not the de facto open source standard. So yes, they do have an RPM based distro, not CentOS based. As far as I know, it's their kind of own rebuild with RPM um, stuff on top. As far as I'm aware, it's probably a step in the right direction. <laughs> mm, yes. So it looks like our predictions from last year means that um, we have uh, joint winners in myself and Al and joint losers in Stu and Jerry. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> congratulations to, to Alan and I for that, I think. That's, uh, that's excellent. Well done, everyone. Um, so shall we follow the same order for next year's predictions? Okay. Works for me. Okay. Stu, you're up first. Right, so I'm back on the arm thing again because I'm determined for something to happen on this. But um, yes, my first prediction is either Azure or GCP, so Google Cloud Platform, doesn't provide an ARM-based virtual machine image by the end of the year. But that works on the basis that one of them does right now neither of them do and there's been no there's been talk of azure potentially sorry microsoft building their own processes for it potentially but i think that's more in their potentially service line of laptops i've not seen any scope in their server side and azure side so this is one of them won't but not both of them won't so yeah that's that's where i'm sitting on that one because i'm surprised that they don't already but I get the feeling that, um, yeah, things like Graviton 2 and some of the others t- um, stole a bit of a march on them and they just didn't know what was coming when it turned up. So, um, yes, that's my prediction for that. I mean, a lot of this is probably dependent on supply chain type yes. stuff, isn't it? Yeah, which, you know, could end up falling foul again, which is why I'm, you know, why I'm not saying, you know, both still won't because uh, that's actually quite, quite easy at that point saying one of them will, but I don't know who. And also one of them definitely still won't by the end of the year. So my second one, and this was related to me talking about cross-plane, was one of AWS, Azure, or Google Cloud Platform rolls out their managed um, Kubernetes service. So that would be EKS on AWS, AKS on Azure, or GKE, uh, Google Kubernetes Engine for GCP. And it comes with cross-plane by default so that you can start spinning up other resources of a infrastructure within the cloud directly through kubernetes without having to use CloudFormation, arm templates terraform or something like that so that kubernetes becomes the api at that point to target web i as a side thing i don't know whether it would be fully managed so you know you'd be able to also manage what is deployed um, through a user interface that talks to Crossplane, but I think potentially one of them will adopt Crossplane as part of their uh, Kubernetes stack at that point. I think that's slightly left field. I'm not 100% sure it's going to happen, but I am wondering. I think it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, if they can take some of the onus off themselves in terms of managing resources and having one api to target it's a bit like your prediction from last year which is why i was saying about uh being able to you know whichever one you're on just saying right i just define it in the same place no matter where i am i actually started listening to the ship it podcast 
shout out to ship it podcast yes <laughs> um and they were saying about how the api server in kubernetes is just like really good just just <laughs> It's a really good implementation of an API, so why not use it? Well, yeah, exactly what I was thinking. You know, especially you know, you got things like the operator framework and being able to, you know, yeah, just just being able to extend it. I think, yeah, exactly. I mean, um, not the current job I'm in, but the last one, a lot of their um, developer onboarding and self management was done through um, operators and um, people defining Kubernetes objects. You'd de- define a Kubernetes object, and it would spin up a resource, or it would create a database, or it would do you know do all sorts of weird and wonderful things. But it was all through um, Kubernetes as the API for it. So it was actually a really good implementation at that point. I think when when it comes down to it, it, to for developers to be able to you know get something running, if they can just write a config file to get that thing running, and that config file is not too complicated, that's basically what every organization is is asking for. And the only difference is the implementation is how you implement that. Yeah, you know that's basically it. And the, all the complexity is then hidden behind what guys like us do. Yeah, uh, exactly. And all you have to do is input variables lists or arrays or whatever you know what we've talked about and uh, that's that's your infrastructure yeah now now whether that would make much of a difference compared to something like terraform i don't know the one thing i did see mentioned as to why crossplane has a bit of an advantage is you've got um in kubernetes something called the reconciliation loop which rather than just running in at the time that you run reconciliation loop means it's constantly checking to see does it still match this state? Does it still match this state? So, you know, you go through and, you know, you created, I don't know, an S3 bucket and then you've added um, an ACL to make it public when you shouldn't have done. If it's something like Terraform, unless you're running that or you've got policies to check that, it will stay like that until someone makes a change. Whereas um, something like Crossplane or similar would be constantly checking going, does it is it still like this? And then when it isn't, it goes and makes the change. So that actually adds an advantage at that point as well. So potentially security implications, but also just the idea of what I've created will always be that, not just it was created like that and should be like that until, you know, you know, someone goes into the console and changes something and you don't know anything about that until your next Terraform run or something. It's like a, cont- a continuous, it's a kind of desired state versus, you know, procedural uh, event. You know, I suppose, it, I don't know if it's eventually consistent, but it seems like the right words. But <laughs> with um, Kubernetes, um, it's, it's declarative, right? Uh, whereas uh, with other forms of uh, config management, it, which is a bit of a grey area, but it's a kind of step-by-step process to to get what you need. And then you test what you've got to see if it matches what you're actually after. Whereas with Kubernetes, you 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 say, this is what I want, and it can either get to that state or it can't. Um, and that's that's a big thing to understand with Kubernetes, I think, to just, you know, you have to make sure it all works and you might take many iterations to get there but you know that when you are there then that it's the right thing which you know it is you know also some of the differences between your terraforms compared to your ansibles and puppets and that but again as i was saying the difference there you've got is terraform is only useful for that when it's running if it's not running it doesn't know anything's changed until something tells it to run again, which is, yeah, again, the, the whole constant checking thing that Kubernetes would do at that point, which 
which you know cross playing themselves say is one of the advantages of it and yeah it could be why um something like this could come along and uh, help um not by the way not sponsored by cross playing i've um, only briefly looked into it but yeah i've um yeah the lo- it looks like a very interesting technology put it that way my last prediction for my main ones is one of the major um, OpenID, uh, so OIDC providers. So that would be Google, Twitter, Facebook, or Apple. So that would be your login with Google, login with Twitter, um, login with Facebook that you get on sites where they uh, can send you somewhere else to log in. And, you know, at that point, you've already created an account somewhere, so you can use that here as well. I think one of them will drop their service partially because I think there's um, the whole privacy implications and I think things are starting to turn a little bit on that. And yes, it provides a convenient service, but you also by default send a lot of data to be able to know that you're logging into somewhere because they know what sites you're logging into to do so. So if I was going to make a guess at the one that would most likely to do it, possibly Twitter because of some of the ways they've been talking recently about wanting to move a bit more decentralized and that kind of thing. However, that might also just be Jack Dorsey, the CEO has been talking about it a lot and he's now left, I believe. Mm -hmm. So it might just be his talk rather than Twitter's talk. But I think one of them will drop it this year, potentially through um, legislation saying, you know, you're collecting too much data or whatever, or just one of them, um, you know, voluntarily says this is too much effort for how much blowback we're going to get from this at some point. So we'll just drop um, this or at least announce a deprecation coming soon. So that's my main ones. And yeah, I've got three bonus ones. And yeah, I'm not entirely sure any of these is going to come to fruition, but the fun ones anyway. The first one is an ARM workstation. So not a server or anything like that an arm workstation with comparable specs uh, and performance is available uh, to the m1 platform you know it doesn't have to be you know above it just you know comparable at that point it's available from a major manufacturer like hp dell lenovo and potentially even down to Acer and asus someone that you can buy it from and just use it right now there's a couple of options in terms of workstations for things like uh, there's a company called Honeycomb, not the one that does the distributed tracing, but all, um, they're named the same. Oh, sorry, no, it's Solid Run is the company, but the workstation is called the Honeycomb. Um, that is an ARM workstation, but it's using older, um, I, think, I can't remember, is it A53, A73 core, so it's not particularly fast, but it's okay. And there's a few using things like the Ampere EMAG, um, but they're essentially servers that just happen to sit on someone's desk. I'm talking something that's potentially readily available you could order it and get it within a day or two from one of the major manufacturers and how does that compare to something like the pine book and things like that um so the pine book the performance on that one is nowhere near something like the m1 and i'm also thinking in terms of less laptop and more workstations as something that would you know be more more of a desktop base right okay now whether that will happen i don't know kind of want it to happen because i wouldn't mind one myself but you know whether it actually does happen is another thing entirely because right now the options in terms of desktop arm for the most part are either have something with fans blowing um as much as a server would or get an apple m1 and uh yeah i have a bent towards linux so you know i'd rather have something that ran linux natively or raspberry pi 
Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, for comparison, where is the Raspberry Pi 4? I, t- I assume a long way below. Yeah, so um, I tried to use one of them as a desktop recently, and uh, yeah, it was a lot slower than I remembered it. It's, it's as a little um, workhorse kind of thing, it's, the Raspberry Pi 4 is actually quite nice. I've, I've got one as a CI node at the moment in my um, home network um, for building some Golang packages. It's a bit slower than um, an x86 virtual machine, but it's okay. Could that just be a memory issue? Because like the maximum on Pi 4 is 8 gigs. Um, for something like CI, you might be using more than that. Uh, not in this case, no, because um, this was compared to a virtual machine that's um, barely got about 2 gigs of memory. And it was just, yeah, it was it was decent, but it just wasn't able to go through it as fast. I think it's just, again, it's the clock speed. They're okay, they're good, but they're not the fastest things out there. And, you know compared to something like an m1 which you know is comparable with you know ryzen processors and uses part you know a fraction of the power kind of thing it, it does speak to the fact that you know a developer laptop is quite a resource hungry thing <laughs> yes yes well well the mo- moment you open something like slack on it you've uh you know yeah especially on my uh my work on open slack and you can hear the fans blowing so yeah the the sooner arm comes along for everyone is that is better in my mind just, just for that in electron is that right yes it is i think they've done a lot of optimizations over the years and they did a update about two three years ago which took care of a lot of their issues but even then it's still you know still still to this day it is a resource hog. <laughs> Right, so my next one, and this is really, really left field, um, but it'd be interesting to see if it happened. One of the following announces that they're going to, or one of them actually becomes, a cloud provider um, like AWS, GCP, or similar, and for the similar um, reasons that they did of, we already have the infrastructure, so we may as well charge people to use it. And that would be either Facebook or Meta, as they're now known. Netflix, which, yes, I know a lot of that runs on AWS, but they do have some of their own data center stuff as well. Apple, Twitter, Salesforce, or definitely left field on this one, Disney. And I really don't think any of this is going to happen, but there's a part of me that wonders if one of them's going, I want a slice of that pie too. My next prediction after this one's going to really blow it out of the water in a second as well. One of the books that I read by Cory Doctorow, I want to say after he wrote the Little Brother stuff, was about a group of makers, and in that the kind of the opposition team uh, to the sort of makerspace community is Disney, and by the end of the story they are the ones that are producing and releasing uh, lots of sort of the 3D printers and stuff like that because they're 3D printing approved materials from the Disney catalogue. And actually, as I was reading it at the time, I thought, actually, that makes sense for Disney. I think, actually, you're on to a proper winner with this one. I think you might be right about Disney. 
Yeah, which is uh, when I was putting it together, it's the one that I just thought that seems a bit weird. But given, weirdly enough, it's Disney Plus that's made me think of it because mm-hmm. of how big that's gotten in such a short space of time. They must be thinking we need our own infrastructure to be able to do this, at which point they're then going to go, how else could we use this? Aha, we've seen some other people do this before. That's why one. That's why Disney was thrown in there. The rest of them already have it. Disney was the one I was thinking. Slightly left field, but actually might be the one. Hype Manus and lose an hour and a half. There's a documentary which came up on YouTube the other day about their Disney's queuing system and how it's developed over the years. Like, from the 60s, there's a really interesting... Um, um, the guy who did it, it's a really interesting... Um, well, nice. As in the actual... Uh, in uh, Walt Disney World or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That was, that, I think that was Cory Doctorow. He wrote an article about it. Yeah, there's like an hour and a half beauty channel video I watched on it, kind of thing. So yeah, it's really interesting yeah. about how they, how yeah, how, how the fast lanes actually work and how it kind of people get um, like um, disillusioned with it and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I think he compared it to like eight lane highways and twelve lane highways in America. So the more basically the more lanes you build, the busier the the highway gets, and that's comparable to Disney. Disney skewing system. Nice. <laughs> Just to add some context, you mentioned before that Netflix uh, consumes a lot of services from Amazon Web Services. A very, very brief Google search turns up that uh, Disney Plus also uses Amazon Web Services. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm thinking, as I say, Disney Plus, because it's shot up with how much it's used in the past year or so, um, I think at some point it will make more sense for them to run their own infrastructure just because economies of scale at that point. And then, yeah, as I say, that's why I'm wondering whether they might be the ones that actually start releasing their own cloud. Interesting. No, I, I like those. There's some. You've got some very good ones there. Yeah. Very impressive. And then this one is just a slight bit of spice on top of that one, which is that one, the, the one that becomes the cloud provider out of one of them Jim Whitehurst isn't doing a lot at the moment, and I'm wondering if he becomes the CEO of that division. That's about as left field as I'm going to get, and I really don't see that happening at all. But the, now he's, he's left IBM, and he's probably getting twitchy fingers. If one of them came along, I'm wondering if he'd think, that looks interesting, and takes that on and starts becoming the face of something like that. But that is really, really left field. I don't think that's going to happen at all. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so um, having seen a CEO of a global company move on. My impression is, is that usually having done sort of five to 10 years of global CEO stuff, they almost take like two to three years of just sort of chilling out in their, you know, Lambos (laughs) um, sitting around their gold plated pools (laughs) you know, whilst they figure out what they want to do next. So I think, I think, unfortunately, I think you might lose that. You, you might not get that one, but yes. I mean, it would be good to see if it did because he definitely seemed to have the right mentality at Red Hat. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems a shame that he's not, you know, potentially higher up in IBM and potentially the one to lead them. But, hey, you know, it, you know I'm in, intrigued to see what he does next, put it that way. Mm. But yeah, that and that's the last of my predictions. So yeah, whether any of that comes to fruition or if I'm at the same same place next year, <laughs> going nil point, we'll see. All right then. So it's, I guess it's my my predictions now. So number one, a production outage at one of Facebook, AWS, Google, or Cloudflare will put a significant proportion of the internet offline for more than one full day. That is twenty four hours, or 
there will be a significant outage on Disney Plus, Prime Video or Netflix for more than one full day. Mm-hmm. Now, I think all sorts of wheels will have fallen off that particular machine if that comes to pass. But that's what I reckon will happen at some point this year. My next one, uh, the next Raspberry Pi, Raspberry Pi 5 perhaps, will double the speed of the CPU from the Raspberry Pi 4. Now, this doesn't count, count um, the the Raspberry Pico, is it Picos? Yeah. Um, the, the ESP baseboards. It doesn't include the Pi Zeros. So it's just the, the credit card form factor. So it is just that, you know, if it moves from a four to a five or the 400 to the 500 or something like that, that will that will double the speed of the CPU. So it will, it will take a, a complete step up more than the previous sort of iterations have gone gone up. To be fair, I do think it needs something like that now because it's at the point that you could use it as a desktop, but just a slow one. So mm. something like that would make it perfect. Okay. And the last, my, my last prediction is that a new control plane based system uh, in the same vein as something like Kubernetes or OpenStack will be released in 2022. So those are my three main predictions. So something like Kubernetes or OpenStack mm. to provide an application platform will come out this year. Would that be one that you can deploy yourselves or were we thinking one that's more cloud native and you would have to consume from somewhere, say, you know, Heroku or something like that, or mm. we're thinking a deployable framework? I don't know. I think to work properly, it would need to work on, on the cloud and on a, a reasonably spec laptop because, you know, you, you've got people running micro gates and so on and laptops and also in the, you're running Kubernetes in the cloud. So it, it, it comes down to whether you can duplicate what you're doing locally to what you're doing in the cloud. So my feeling is that it won't be something you have to sell. You, you so It won't be something you can self-host. I think it will be something that one of the cloud providers will come out with and they will tout it as being uh, the new awesome replacement for Kubernetes for example, but you won't host it at all on your local machine. I think to do that, it'd have to be cross cloud provider. You'd have to be able to run it on any cloud provider. Because mm. that, um, that's the sure. strength of Kubernetes, possibly. P- possibly. So I'm thinking in the same way that, for example, AWS releases services like EC2, that is very heavily bound to their own services and is not something whilst you can get something like uh and i'm trying to remember what it's called eucalyptus that provides a, a compatible api um but it's not released by amazon it's not even you know acknowledged generally as being you know comparable but um you know in the same way that you've got kind of that aws sort of API control plane sort of layer thing. Um, I think there will be a service like that for AWS or Azure or, you know, GCP or Oracle or IBM that is to completely replace Kubernetes or, you know, to supplant it with something that is, you know, for some some value of, of the, the, the term better for some reason. 
would we be thinking that it's still an orchestrator of containers or is are we thinking even beyond that it can do things that containers can't at that point i'm not going into that much detail okay <laughs> <laughs> on purpose <laughs> I know there's been a lot of talk of web assembly, and I wonder whether that potentially has some weight there, but I don't know. Anyway. don't know. Anyway, so that's my three main ones. Uh, into my bonus predictions. So the first one um, is that a folding phone from Samsung, Nokia, or Google will be released with a release day price of under £1,000. Hmm. Okay. That, that's an aspiration because my word, do I want a folding phone? And my <laughs> word, I cannot afford one of the ones that's out there at the moment. Yeah. Does that mean a folding screen or a. Yeah, a folding screen. So not, not like the slide out keyboards, but a, a proper folding screen style device. Yeah. And my next bonus prediction is that a storage device, uh, something akin to an SSD or a, an M2. Um, board will be released with 10 terabyte capacity with consumer level availability. Uh, I'm not sure whether this one's already happened to be fair. So when we come around to scoring next year and I find something that says there's a 10, 10 terabyte come out already, in which case I will bump that up to a 20 terabyte as my, as my default. So if, if, if a 10 terabyte has already come out, then it will be 20 terabytes that I'm claiming instead. Okay. And that's purely down to bad planning on my part for not having checked out in advance. <laughs> okay, so that's my three and two. Al, what have you got for us? So I have got, going back to the ARM template, uh, ARM and M1, I'm going to say you can download a Linux ISO and do a simple install of a Linux desktop using a GUI onto Mac 1 natively. To quantify this, you will be able to like download ISO and you not have to do hacking any with any config files or do some kind of hacking or side loading to get it to install. So like mm. a, a normal user can do it, kind of thing. That's interesting because I know Asahi's doing a lot of work there, but whether it'll be that accessible, yeah, you know, that's interesting. We'll see. Because I really like the M1 because even the, the MacBook Air, but it's just that I don't like. I don't want to get. I don't want to use. Yeah, Mac OS. I wanna, <laughs> yeah. I'll decide the power of it and the and 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 the battery life is just amazing kind of thing. But so that's my first prediction. Um, the second one is there been there will be an in-person conference where we will all finally get to meet each other at last. <laughs> <laughs> I like that prediction. I don't know if it will come true, but I do like. It. Yeah, I am yeah. missing the whole kind of things. Um, and my third one, there will be a launch for New Linux podcast in 2022, which will fill the space the Ubuntu podcast has left. Uh, to qualify that, I think we'd all have to agree that it's the good, a good postcard. <laughs> yeah. And sa- sounds a little bit like Radio 4 Gontak, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my bonus one is uh, Linus from Linus Tech Tip will switch his daily driver to run Linux. <laughs> oh. I, like <laughs> I I think having seen what a debacle it has been this year, I think if that happens, we will also see flying pigs. Yeah. yeah. Um. And and health having frozen over. Yes. Yeah. I, I I know Luke has apparently switched to Linux Mint for his um for his daily driver in terms of just home and you know 
mm. office stuff and that kind of thing. But yeah, I can't see Linus doing it anytime <laughs> soon. So that is a, if that comes true, then so he managed to like nuke his system, didn't he? When he he installed something, he installed Steam, but he removed it or something. There's like a bug. With yeah, it, it it was a bug with the installer at the time in Pop OS, and they tried to install it. It wasn't there properly. At which point, can't remember the exact steps, but there was some apt remove or something. No, so so there was there was a problem with the package, um, and one of the things that it removed was the desktop meta package which removed the entire desktop. <laughs> so when he then rebooted, he had to, he had console only, basically. Yeah. It was like, I don't understand what I've done here. Yeah. Um, but when he installed it, it said something along the lines of, I'm a power user. I know what I'm doing. Really, really, really remove this desktop or something yeah, like that. Exactly. And he, he typed it out and hit enter. And he just went, oh, it's all gone. <laughs> yes. Which, which you know, you know, if if you're used to, um, you know, having to click yes to do anything, or you know, every time you do something, having to confirm that you are this user kind of thing, then I suppose you're just going, I'm tired of prompts. Yes, just let me through kind of thing. <laughs> I quite like the, the cloud provider thing where they make you type out the name of the resource, or at least copy and paste it. Yeah, well, that's what I do. Though. Delete that's me just... or something like that. Yeah, but, but I just copy and paste it. That's what I do. I slap uh, it, right click, copy. But it's an extra step, right? It's an extra, yeah, it's an extra step. There's a shortcut to that. If you double click and drag the, the highlighted text into the box, <laughs> you don't even need to copy and paste. It'll just no, copy. It'll just transfer the text right in. Yeah, it's more like a conscious choice, though. My favourite thing with the Linus Tech Tips one is um, where did he go from Pop OS? Oh, I know Manjaro, which you know I run on one of my desktops, but I've been using Linux quite a long time, and I expect it to break every now and then. And yeah, I'll just use Manjaro as a replacement for something Ubuntu based, and it's just. Who was advising what distros to use nobody. the first time? That was the whole point. There was nobody advising them to do it because they explicitly made the choice to act as though they had no community contacts for this. Oh, yeah. It's it's just weird that those were the first ones you'd choose at that point rather than what's the, what's the beginner ones. And every article since, you know, day one said Linux Mint for about the past 10 years. So. But, yeah, uh, anyway. But it's because they were approaching it as gamers. Yeah. Well, that was a challenge, wasn't it, though? Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So, is that you? Is that your predictions yep. all done now? All right then. So, Jerry, it's round to you for your last set. So, uh, as last year is saving the worst till last. Uh, <laughs> so, as a result, I've only got one major prediction and one bonus prediction. So, so you failed on the rules entirely <laughs> then. Good to know. Okay. However, given my performance this year, it doesn't mean you'll lose. So, you know. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we can take the, uh, oh, uh, it doesn't really work. I was saying we could take the best ones, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. anyway. So my my major prediction coming from an, an earlier prediction from one of you guys, as, as last year, was uh, Linode or DigitalOcean will become third place uh, Kubernetes as a service provider. So I've, I'd say what I didn't want to say is that I'm, we'll probably evaluate this year, the Kubernetes offerings of these, these particular providers uh, and see, you know, see how it works, see how easy it is to, or hard to run Kubernetes uh, on these. So how are we going to quantify this? The one thing I was going to say is I'm sure there's some Kubernetes surveys or something like that, and I don't. I've got a feeling they might ask for which provider you run it on. 
I have seen them in the past. It might just be yeah, some random survey I've seen in the past, but I've got a feeling there might be one that comes from the community. So, mm. I mean, I'm basically, I haven't run Kubernetes on either of these, but I'm basing my opinion on or my prediction on reading and documentation. Uh, and mm. ha- having done it on Azure, only Azure at the moment, on the major cloud providers, uh, that's not particularly easy. The one thing I have seen on that, um, I think it was Kelsey Hightower mentioned it at one point, saying that um, yeah, he works for Google. He's got a lot of love for the uh, GK, um, their Google Kubernetes engine, which having played with it is literally click a button, you get a cluster kind of thing. And it's, it's amazing how well that works. But he said the one that came closest to that was not Amazon or anything like that. It was DigitalOcean's approach to it. So whether that wins them the mind share, I don't know. But yes, that'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Well, you know, it's aspirational, but it's all I yeah. can come up with at the not short notice, but um, any notice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, the other, the my bonus one, my only bonus one is a little bit self-regarding, but I predict in 2022, I will learn a language other than Bash or you know, some DSL that I know, like Terraform. <laughs> I will actually <laughs> sit down and learn to code something in something other, something useful, basically. Ruby. I really like uh, Ruby. <laughs> I do like, I mean, I, I've done a, I've done some Ruby, I've done some Python, but not enough to actually uh, solve a problem uh, in, in in any other language. So this year, as as I've mentioned on the past, in the past, um, I have been teaching myself Rust. Can you, Play a little musical doom when we say that Russ word. I don't know, we'll probably get done by Junior Podcast for doing that. Don't do that. Don't. <laughs> Maybe ask them for permission to have that little jingle in there. <sighs> I can't believe you just tainted what I was about to say. Sean, you can say it. Right, so anyway, so I've I have created a cross platform executing binary that works on Windows, Mac, and Linux, and from what I've seen, would also compile for uh, Android and ARM 64-bit and 32-bit ARM to do command line application. So it's not the best or well most well-written. You have to go through an awful lot of hoops to make it work on a Mac. Oh my God, making it work on a Mac is dreadful. <laughs> but you can you can run this script on, on all, all those platforms. And I have to say, if you're looking to write a command line tool, there are some great libraries out there that you can kind of make make this stuff work quite easily, actually. Uh, I'm not, I am far from a good programmer. I, I can cobble together half working stuff that I've copied and pasted off Stack Overflow and documentation sites. Um, and, and it works. Which I'm stunned by. So, can I ask as well? I've been doing the advent of code, and I really enjoyed it. it oh, I'm still doing it. I haven't got that far. It. I hope now, now on holiday, I can do some more. But, um, but it's reverse engineering people's way of doing it, and a lot of these things are all about data structure. Anyone got any tips of kind of where to go to learn more about data structures, or is it just practicing doing things like code of advent and um, things like that? to kind of get your because i guess it's once you've done it once or or if you solve a problem you obviously think about it and then you come to another problem and the future of that then you think about that i've already done that but it's like how do you work out that like that first kind of thinking outside the box for for me i learned about data 
structures via Ansible because you work with lists and dictionaries and, you know, key value pairs. And that taught me about data structures. I'm not everything I need to know about data structures, but at least the basics. Yeah. So, yeah. But like the, like the, the, the example I was good is like with like they had like going as day four of Advent Advent. It was like the, they gave you bingo tickets and you and they give you a list of numbers and you have to check through all of the bingo tickets. And I was basically just going to do a process of going through putting each of the bingo ticket into an array and then go through it. Whereas someone else had basically gone through all the bingo tickets first, pulled all the numbers out, and then did it that way kind of thing. So then you just have to search in the list for the numbers, and then the numbers that call then references the bingo card kind of thing. So it's like that's what the ways it's an interesting way of thinking it, of doing it a different way than yeah. what you you think about it first kind of thing. It just goes to show there's lots of different ways to solve the same problem. Yeah. Uh, and that's always the way with, with IT stuff, you know. Yeah. Mm. I think the the main things for me are usually things like uh, understanding kind of what the differences are between things like field sizes. So like uh, quite a common thing is with integers is how large is the integer set that you're talking about. Encoding of strings, are you encoding it with ASCII or UTF-8 or UTF-16? And then, you know, are you using Boolean values? So one, zero, true, false, you know, things like that. And then the last one, which I don't really tend to see much outside of databases, enums, which is where you've basically got a string representation of a number. But so you can store things, you typically see it in things like flags as well. So, you know, you might have a flag, which is something like has admin, um, like the, the Unix, um, directory permissions structure is effectively an enum uh, because you've got read, write, and execute as one, two, and four. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you can combine those three f- flags uh, in lots of different permutations to get an integer value. So that's, uh, that's effectively an enum. And it's just a matter of kind of looking at the structures you've got and kind of trying to map it out to something in your head. Lorna Mitchell did a Twitch stream a couple of weeks back where her husband had built uh, an LED thing for the wall behind her for when she was on video calls and stuff like that. And she was then writing some stuff for a stream deck to say, you know, when I press this button, it will do this thing behind me. And in that case, she, she was literally having to go through and figure out what the data structures were that she had to pass in to the controller to make it display the, the lights in the way that she wanted it to come up. So, you know, a lot of it is just consuming what other people have done. And like you said, just experimenting with, with data structures in, in platforms such as Advent of Code and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the same. Most of it f- for me has come down to just, you know, looking at what someone else has done and going, oh, that's an interesting way of doing it. And the next time I come to do something similar, try it that way and go, ah, it doesn't work for this. Or yes, it works perfectly. I'll do use that from now on. So yeah, that, that there's a lot of, um, what is it? Not plagiarism. Um, oh, I can't remember, can't remember the phrase now, but it's the um, sincerest form of flattery, that kind of thing. So Imi- yeah. Imitation. That's the one, yeah. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So, yeah, sometimes imitating to begin with and then, yeah, working from there to make it your own. 
there's that film, The Imitation Game, which uh, dramatizes the wartime efforts of uh, Alan Turing, mm. the father of modern computing. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, so I, I was thinking that this might, this uh, quest to learn a, a proper programming language might be driven by Pulumi, which is kind of config management uh, uh, written in a, a programming, a selection of programming languages. Yes. Or scripting languages. Yes. Uh, Pulumi for me um, early this year is, I've been writing bits in Go for a while now, but there's times I've gotten confused with it. Weirdly enough, Pulumi is the thing that helped me make sense of Go properly. And now I just find Go quite easy to write in. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, you know, I'm not, you know, I couldn't write Kubernetes, put it that way, um, or anything to that level. But Go, I now find makes sense, and it's entirely down to uh, building stuff in Pulumi. So, yeah, might be a way to go then. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry about the the kind of self regarding nature of that last one, but <laughs> at least it sparked a useful conversation. Uh, and that's it for me, I'm afraid. You know, so you don't want to uh, to, to to borrow uh, one of last year's predictions as your main predictions. Apple hiring a significant portion of notable ops DevOps people, or um, maybe <laughs> has that already happened? <laughs> I don't believe so. Okay, um, okay, yeah, let's take that one again. Okay, so you've got two out of your three predictions, so you're already down one point already <laughs> on next year's predictions. Good to know. <laughs> So this is the review of the, well, technically it was the 2021 predictions. We called it 2020 predictions, but that's because we recorded it in 2020. So that was the predictions for the year 2021. Uh, we are now, we've now recorded the predictions for year 2022. So um, I think we've got quite a good, uh, quite a good set of predictions there. Mm. Whether it's all nil points next year for a few of us is, uh, is another thing to be seen. But, yeah. I'm totally going to win again. Just, uh, <laughs> just, just, that's my that's my third bonus prediction. I'm going to totally win this year. Actually, I'll make another bonus prediction that I'll make some better predictions for next year. Did I do that last year? I can't remember. No, you didn't. But I will. I will definitely make a note of that one and see you fail at it next year as well. <laughs> right, that's it. They're going to be so good next year. Why? Right, we locked them down. We locked all those predictions out. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, we've been on quite a long time. Um, should we just wrap up then? So Dave, I'd like to say Dave, he does our audio production. We're also a, now we're a proud member of the Other Side and Podcast Network. So see otherside.network for more details and other podcasts on that network. Uh, I'd like to thank our Patreons. Uh, so we have Andamo, Dave, Maha, Mike, Stu, which is our Stu, the uh, Stuart, the other Stu, uh, and Yannick. So thank you very much to all of you. You, uh, you, you help out significantly. Thank you very much. And um, if you want to send us any feedback on um, our predictions this time, whether it's just to uh, point and laugh at some of us for getting zero or just to uh, you say whether you agree with our predictions for the next year or anything else to do with the show, just send us a mail at uh, mail at admin, adminpodcast.co.uk. And you can also join our Telegram group where the link will be in the show notes and it's on our website, which again is admin, adminpodcast.co.uk. And if you've got any questions you want us to answer, uh, contact us by email, as Stu just said, or in our Telegram group, uh, and we'll try to answer it in one of our next shows. Okay, so we'll see you in the new year. Bye for now. Happy New Year. Bye-bye. Bye. Now it's over, I can open it.
You've been listening to a member of the Other Side Podcast Network. Find more about our shows at otherside.network. Network.